so uh, welcome back everyone to Kids These Days podcast. And I am really, really excited about um, what we are going to talk about today because as I have been continuing to get more uh, training and more development uh, myself professionally, one of the things that I recently did was um, a restorative practices training. And so I was in this group of other like-minded people and we all spent the whole week together um, on Zoom feeling like we were, oh my gosh, we were really just sort of about to die on Zoom, it felt like. But anyway, so our our co-host for, uh, for this episode is uh, a friend that met during this training, has much uh, to say about how we can help our kids and families. And I'm just so happy you're here, Eric. Can you just introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us one fun fact about yourself? All right. Thank you. Um, I am Eric Herr. Uh, I'm honored to be here. I'm a school social worker in the Lemon Grove School District out here in sunny San Diego, California. Um, and a fun fact about myself, I was born in South Korea. And, you know, my dad is the only person from his family to come over um, from South Korea. So I kind of, um, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time in South Korea. And then my mom is, is from America. So um, I have, a, you know, different perspectives on coming from different cultures. I love that. And I didn't know that about you. We didn't learn that about you during the train the trainer talks. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm uh, just it's it's really cool just seeing, um, you know, growing up in different cultures, my parents were separated, and then my dad remarried a Korean woman. So just have that, you know, the perspectives from different cultures um, is, uh, yeah, re- it was really cool growing up. I bet it really plays out every day in the work that you do in the schools too. tell folks a little bit about the work you do in the schools. Yeah, so I'm a school social worker. I have uh, my master's in school social work from San Diego State, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker out here. And uh, my credential is in school social work. So that's kind of what I uh, specialize in grad school. And I wear so many hats as a school social worker yeah. here. So it, 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 we always we always joke that, you know, we don't plan our day, our, our day plans us. Because oh um, I, I have a to-do list of students to check in with and groups to, you know, social skills groups to, and psycho, uh, psychoeducational groups to run and facilitate. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm the mental health professional at my school. So I'm just kind of really supporting all of our students, our families, um, and our staff, our teachers here. Um, so I'm at one site, Lemon Grove Academy Elementary School, and really uh, it's providing resources to our students and families, you know, connecting them to what they need in the community, whether that be, you know, food resources or clothing or dental or um, uh, referring out for mental health services. So I'm not a therapist in my role here, um, but we do do short-term counseling. I have a group of uh, master's in social work interns from San Diego State that I lead here as well. Um, and so, you know, we work very closely with the community, um, with our families, with our teachers and the students. Um, I'm kind of, you know, on, on the on the ground, you know, welcoming students in as they come in to our gates and then just trying to figure out um, any way I can sp- support them. A lot of times it's going into classrooms and teach- teaching social emotional curriculum. Um, we use the second step curriculum here um, in Lemon Grove School District. And yeah, so I'm, I'm one of seven uh, school social workers in our district. 
Um, but I'm fortunate enough just to be at one site uh, supporting uh, our staff and kids and uh, families here. It has to be both great and heavy. I mean, the needs are so great right now. I mean, we're still, you know, feeling the impact of COVID. Uh, I was just at a webinar that the American Psychological Association put out just a couple of days ago about the impact that COVID has had on our kids because, you know, the research is still coming out about how is this in both the short term and the long term impacting our kids. And unfortunately, it seems like the more data that comes out, the less positive the picture looks. I mean, it, it is really impacting our kids. I mean, what are you seeing out there with, with, with kids and staff and the impact that COVID's having? Absolutely. Um, it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's tough to capture exactly, but mm. we are seeing, you know, kids that just, you can tell they have not socialized um, for many, many months, you know? So, uh, and every, every school district, every area is a little bit different, but we did not have school in person um, all of last school year. So the 2021 school year up until after spring break, we had eight weeks of a hybrid setting where students were here, um, two days a week. Um, and, and so even, even then, you know, we noticed like, oh, wow, like we, we really need to focus on, um, just kids learning how to interact and socialize with, you know, with other students, you know, uh, within their classrooms. And so we, we noticed right away, you know, that, that kids, all this time off um, really affected the kids, um, you know, just ma- made them so they're not used to, you know, exactly following the, the rules and the, and the social norms. Um, so that's something that we've uh, made a big push in just trying to, you know, focus on that, the social, emotional learning and focus on socializing appropriately. Um, yeah, since, since they've returned this school year. You know, I saw something yesterday. It's so interesting you're saying this because I saw something on social media yesterday where it was like kind of a list of the different grades and it it was pointing out that our kids have not had a normal school year in three years. So it was like for your second grader, they have never had a normal school year. So it, it, it I was like, no, that's not true. It hasn't been that long. And then I had to stop and think about So I have a kindergartner and a second grader. I have a seventh grader and an eighth grader. And I had to really stop and think, oh my gosh, it, it literally has been that long. And yeah, my second grader may be struggling because he's never had a normal school year. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, uh, there's disrupted learning for Mm. all those years. You know, Mm. if you think about, um, you know, I still remember the day in our school district, it was, you know, March 13th. Uh, 2020. I remember that Friday and it was like, okay, looks like we're taking some time off. It might be one or two weeks. And then, you know, it just kept going and going. Um, So they missed, you know, that the last third of uh, that school year, the 1920 school year, and then the majority of 2021. And now, now we're back um, in most parts of the United States. And um, there's just a lot of challenges and we haven't even, you know, touched on the, the family stressors, uh, the impact that it has, you know, financially and otherwise and health wise on different families. And then, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening, you know, especially, you know, I, te- I work at a lower, um, you know, SES um, uh, community. And so, you know, Title I school, I th- you know, basically all of our kids qualify for free and reduced lunch. Um, 
So there's a lot of stressors on, you know, the entire family. And that's something that they were, you know, um, around obviously all the time during COVID and we didn't get to, you know, and that's kind of what I love seeing kids because while they're here, you know, they can focus on being kids and playing and learning. And then we have eyes on them so we can see what kind of supports would help them and what resources would help our students and families. I know it was one of the scariest things about COVID for a lot of teachers and administrators that it was like, we have no idea where these kids are. You know, at least when we have eyes on them, we know that here in the building, they're safe, they're taken care of and that sort of thing. But it was really frightening, I think, for for a lot of administrators. And, you know, as I think about this year, so our, um, in this part of the country or in this, in Indiana here, our kids go back to school like midsummer, it feels like. I mean, it's like August, August 3rd or something where a lot of the schools, I know some schools in other parts of the country go back after Labor Day. But you know, I um, I think about this year and this school year where folks are like, well, we're back, you know, most schools are back in and, and this is kind of a normal year and it is not a normal year. I mean, it feels honestly in, in my 20 years of practice, it feels like maybe one of the heaviest years we've had. I've talked to other mental health professionals in this area. I don't know what you would say, but, you know, the teachers, I had a, a colleague of mine that said, You know, people in the building are like November tired and it's only the beginning of September. You know, it's like this is not going to be a normal year because we are in recovery mode and we've got lots of folks. The profession, the teaching profession is there are a lot of folks who left. This is not a normal year. Gosh. I I agree 100 percent. And, you know, I I know in our school district, it's hard for us to find any sub any substitutes. Um, you know, it's, it's hard for us to hire new teachers. Um, there's a lot of, of burnout, like you're saying, and we're just into this school year. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my one of my roles here as a school social worker is to really support our staff. And um, and, you know, this year when I'm you know leading staff, staff meetings and trainings, I can just see it on their faces. Mm. They are overwhelmed. They are burnt out. And you have to remember, so the kids, you know, had so much time off of school and now coming back. Um, you know, there's more behavioral challenges, kind of like we touched on earlier, but then of course the academic gap. So now they're thinking, okay, well, we have to really, you know, they have, we really have to focus on academics so that we can meet, um, you know, state standards and things like that. But then there's more, you know, emotional and behavioral challenges and it just all in all leads to overwhelmed uh, teachers right now. Yeah. And we, we kind of chatted about this a little bit too. And, and you mentioned you have some thoughts about this, but you know, as I come into schools and uh, classrooms, sometimes it feels like once we get to a certain point as humans, right, we get kind of in our head, I'm exhausted, I'm burned out, I, I don't know how to do my job well, I'm not helping these kids, they're not meeting the standards, it's out of control. I mean, it's like the ship is out to sea and it's hard to turn that ship around to get folks to feel like, I can have control and I can have efficacy in in this in this space and no one likes to feel bad at their job. So what what are your thoughts there about how do we get that ship turned around for some of these teachers or administrators or or parents even? Yeah, absolutely. Um this is a, you know, very important question and um for me everything comes down to relationships. So it's always for me, relationships, relationships, relationships. Um, And that's kind of my philosophy as a school social worker is the first thing that I'm going to try to do is establish rapport and relationship with all of our students and all of our families 
And then of course our teachers, um, you know, spend a lot of time with them. So, you know, and this is my sixth year at the same site. So I have a good relation, working relationship with them. And, you know, they, they know that I'm, you know, have their best interests in mind and want to support them in every way possible. Um, but I really, um, I really focus on that uh, relationship building. It's something um, we have people come to our site for one reason or another, and they're, they're always surprised that I know all the students' names. And mm -hmm. for me, like, that's the least I can do. You know, we have uh, about 500 students at our elementary school. So it's a preschool all the way through sixth grade. And like, I like personally, I want to know every single kid. I want to know their name. I want to know something that they're interested in, something that they like. Um, so, it, you know, it's something that I, I work really hard at because I feel like it's so important. If you have that baseline, they know that you care about them you know, that you genuinely care about them, you're interested in them, you know, as a human being, um, and, you, and, and you're there for them, you support them, and they see you every single day, like, you know, I'm here every day with my students. And um, so I, the least I can do is remember your name. And then, you know, if, if there is some sort of um, conflict, or they need some sort of support, or they're having a bad day, um, you know, why would they trust me? Why would they talk to me if, if I, if I don't have a relationship with them, if I don't take the time to get to know them a little bit and, and sure it's hard with, you know, 500 students, but it's something that I really focus on with intentionality. Um, every single day, I, 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 I repeat everyone's name as they come in through our gates every day. I'm just kind of, you know, uh, firing off names like, good morning. I'm so happy you're here with us today. Um, all the, you know, just as many names as I can, because I, I really want to uh, establish, like, I care about you. I, I want to know you. Um, I'm here for you. Um, so if there's anything, if there's a peer-to-peer -peer conflict, they know, oh, Mr. Her is here every day. He cares about us. He knows who I am. He, he's interested in me. Um, so that's really what I focus on and, and families as well. Every time I see them, I try to get to know them, remember who they are, um, when they drop off their kids, when they pick up their kids. So if there was any, you know, kind of concern, then it's not like, oh, this social worker is trying to get involved with my life. It's no, you know, Mr. Her cares about us and wants the best for us and is here to support us. So it kind of starts the relationship off with kids and families in a, in a positive context. So this is your secret sauce. That's my secret sauce, right? But yeah, and, and it relates back to, you know, the restorative, uh, restorative practices training that we talk about, or that we, you know, went through um, a couple of weeks back where, you know, a lot of our, our work in restorative practices is, you know, the 80% proactive, right? Where yeah. we're, we're doing, you know, we are using these principles to establish a, a positive community first. So if there is harm, that's the way that we can repair it because we already have that, um, you know, the positive relationships and community that's been built and the, the equity, I guess, so to speak. So, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm like, just thinking about my first impressions of you that we sort of met, we were in this everyday training for this week and it was really intensive. And, you know, I know for me, the thing that really stood out to me about you is just your warmth and your encouragement, right? I mean, it was like, every part of you just exudes support and encouragement. And I can just picture you, you know, standing outside or standing in the hallway there, like welcoming every child in just over and over and over by name, making them know that they matter, that it matters they're there. And, you know, what I, what I hear you saying is in some ways, the secret sauce is not that hard, Right. It's knowing their name. It's just sort of being present, being encouraging. And it is a little bit of who you are, 
right? It's like, this is just yeah. who Eric is. Well, and you can't, you can't really fake, you know, you can't fake, um, you know, your curiosity and in, in human yeah. beings. Like you can't fake that because kids are so smart. And now oh my I have gosh. my own two boys, you know, three and five years old, even my five-year-old, you know, he'll sniff right through if I'm, you know, not being authentic. So um, it is something that you really, you have to have a passion for, I believe. Yeah. And I think it's probably a mind shift, right? I mean, you probably go into every day. I mean, I, I know for me, I have to do this. And I think we learn this in our profession that it's, you know, your clients, your students mm-hmm. need the best of you. So when you've had a bad morning or when you just don't feel like it, you have to sort of put forth this effort of I'm going to be intentionally encouraging in a genuine way and kind of pin my stuff, you know, kind of up here. It doesn't mean we don't have feelings and we don't have things that go on, but it means we have to really take a mind shift. And some days that's harder than others. Yeah. I mean, and in social work, uh, especially in in grad school, you know, they always talk about self-care, 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 self-care. Oh, yeah. But really, how are you going to, you know, give the best to your students or clients? How are you going to be emotionally there if um, you're not taking care of yourself? So it's something that, you know, I I think about often, um, you know, and it's just the little things, right, in terms of like getting a good night's sleep, right? Mm. Um, You know, trying to exercise, trying to be mindful of what do I need, you know, so I can give the best of myself, because if I'm not taking care of myself, you know, in terms of my mental health and my physical health, then I'm not going to be there a hundred percent doing what I need to at home to, you know, take care of myself. Um, you know, obviously I have a busy home life with two little boys, you know, running around. Um, but I do my best to, you know, kind of, uh, take care of my family. But then when I, you know, when I get to, when I get to work, it's, you know, switch gears and really, um, you know, focus on, you know, just kind of being uh, mindful. And, you know, there's been a lot of, um, you know, uh, f- uh, emphasis on mindfulness um, in the last decade and really, you know, trying to be present, um, you know, and, that, and that's something that I try to do with all my students because, you know, I can't be worrying about other things and giving them my full attention. So it's something that I think about all the time. And I'm sure they feel it. I mean, I'm sure that's why they feel so connected to you is because they know that they are important to you. Yeah, it's something where, you know, I I try to be kind of like uh, on, so to speak, all the time where I'm just, you know, always uh, I'm always I always want to be engaged. I never want to be, you know, talking to a student or, you know, talking to a family and be thinking about something else going on. So I, I, you know, I really try to bring that warmth and that support and that energy, um, even if I'm not feeling my best. So, you know, I lead group supervision with uh, the master's in social work students here. And I tell them, like, if you're only going to, um, you know, give your best to students and families and at work and be fully present when you're feeling good, um, you know, I don't, I think you're doing a disservice. So you have to learn to, you know, even if you're not at, at feeling you're a hundred percent best to really, um, you know, and just that, uh, professionalism and just thinking, okay, what do they need? You know, what do my students need at this moment? What do my families need? What do my teachers need at this moment? And really be, uh, engaged and present. Yeah. And that takes intentionality and it takes effort. And yeah, like we were saying earlier, sort of that mindset and, so I have one other question about this, and then I want to ask you about a, the silver lining for, okay. for COVID right now. And okay, so, you know, we, there, in every building, there are those kids that we just naturally kind of connect with easily, right? Absolutely. I mean, if we think about kind of the normal curve, most relationship building, 
for a huge portion of the students is going to be easy for us to do, right? I sometimes worry about some of those kids who have learned how to push people away pretty well, right? That maybe has been their coping strategy. Maybe it has been what protected them from being hurt and in earlier, you know, areas of their life or whatever. And I sometimes think it's hard to know without without a lot of training, right? I mean, you and I have had a lot of training and how to connect with kids. And so when teachers get lots of training on curriculum and how to help kids learn how to do math, they don't necessarily have the space to learn. How do I connect with those hard kids? And so what is, you know, anything that you might share with the staff when, you know, we just have some kids that, that maybe aren't um, necessarily a good personality fit for us? Yeah, that's, I think that's a, that's a great question. Um, I guess I have a few thoughts on that. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of our, our kids, um, especially in the COVID era, have, you know, experienced a lot of trauma and family stressors and just environmental stressors. So, you know, I, th- I think it's just really important to, you know, shower them with that love mm. At, mm. Uh, and just come from a trauma-informed lens when working with these students and, and, and really not take it personal. That's what I see as one of the biggest challenges. Um, you know, I was just talking to one of my uh, one of the uh, masters in social work interns here. Um, she had an interaction with a student, and she came back and she was fuming, and she was, "How dare that student disrespect me?" And yeah. you know, I told her, um, you know, in my early years working, because I don't think I told you, but I started out um, when I moved to San Diego in 2008. I was working uh, residential treatment center for foster youth, so that was the beginning of my career um, working with you know, the uh, level 12, level 14, the highest level of care, highest level of emotional and behavioral challenges um, in the foster setting in the state of California. Um, So I learned pretty quickly that I cannot take it personal. These, Mm -hmm. you know, these kids, you know, they've been through a lot in their lives. And, you know, just because they're giving me a hard time, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with what I'm doing. Um, it's just, you know, they're, they're going through a, a tough period and it's our job to support them and be with them. And, um, and sometimes, you know, with the, in the elementary school setting, it's just, you know, listening to them, you know, and, and listening to them and playing with them and getting down on their level and just, you know, really trying to understand them rather than just change them. Um, but I, I do think that it's the patience and, and really um, not taking their behaviors as a personal attack to you or as a, you know, sign that you're not an effective educator. Um, so that's one of the things that I focus on a lot is um, just really being present and not taking it personal and just know I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'm going to come back the next day. And I'm going to still give you support and I'm still going to give you love, even if, you know, you're not so kind to me or you're not happy with me. I'm here for you and I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Everything you just said, I just, I didn't have enough time to write everything down. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it over and over. And I encourage folks to go back and listen to it over and over because you said so many things there, right? The not taking it personally. I talk a lot about self-regulation, you know, it's like, you've got to self-regulate so that you don't tell yourself he's being disrespectful and this is about me, right? Developing that ability to not allow their behavior to impact all the thoughts that I have about wanting to change this child. I mean, that, that you said it's about understanding them and not just coming in to change them. I think that's so powerful that kids just want to be kids and we can't let them just be kids however they want in a classroom setting. I mean, that's just not reasonable. However, 
if we come from a place of I'm trying to understand you and not just change you, oh, how powerful would that be for those kiddos? Yeah. And, you know, if there's any educators listening to this, you know, I, th- I think it's a lot easier said than done. So I, maybe I oversimplified it. Um, you know, I think it takes, you know, uh, it takes a conscious effort, you know, day in, day out. And it's not easy. It is not easy work. Um, I'm in kindergarten classrooms much of the day. Um, again, we're seeing a lot of um, challenges, you know, behavioral and emotional challenges because, you know, with COVID, you know, these, a lot of these, uh, five, six year olds, they haven't been in preschool. They haven't been in these yep. settings where they learn how to socialize and, yep. um, you know, talk about their feelings and, uh, and, and, and follow rules and structure yep. and things of that nature. So it's, and I understand, you know, the, the educator's job is very challenging right now. Um, and, but I, you know, I, I really, uh, I have the utmost respect for all teachers. I mean, it's a difficult job, but it is so meaningful and impactful and, you know, they're doing amazing work out there. I absolutely agree. I can't say enough about educators right now. I can't support enough educators right now. I'm always talking about it on social media, trying to help, gosh, just illuminate the work that, that our educators are doing. Sort of my last question. I mean, it's definitely not my last question. I would, you know, love to just sit here and chat about things all day long. But um, what's the silver lining here, Eric? I mean, how do we give people hope that, you know, COVID isn't just destroying everyone and everything and all relationships? I mean, what's our silver lining? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess my personality is always kind of glass half full. So yeah, you, know, you really are though- so good at that. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm always trying to find positives out of, you know, difficult situations. Um, and, you know, I really do think adversity um, that, you know, people really can grow in adversity and, and difficult times. Um, and obviously COVID has just been devastating to families all, all across the world. Um, so in, in the school setting, I can say that, you know, the, the real, the emphasis on technology, you know, at the beginning for, I know for educators, like, oh, wait, I'm used to teaching everything, you know, in front of my students. And how do I, you know, effectively teach, um, you know, virtually in Zoom, but just being in classrooms virtually um, all of last school year, I was amazed at how much teachers can adapt. And, um, you know, they were able to learn all sorts of, you know, different platforms to, to teach effectively and to be engaging and build relationships with those students. Um, so <clears throat> to me, and then I'm seeing it in the classroom this year, it's, you know, they're kind of incorporating both, um, you know, different tech, uh, both technology into their classroom more so than before, because they really hone that skill during, uh, you know, virtual learning. Um, and then I know for administration and, you know, uh, uh, social workers and, you know, in our district, we are able to have all sorts of meetings now and, and be able to reach uh, families in ways that we never even imagined before. Um, so we have, you know, all sorts of different communication apps. And so we're doing things like, uh, so we have class dojo, but we, um, so it's like, you know, a texting app, but then we also, you know, we'll go in the, in, in the classrooms and we're taking pictures and sending it to the families. So they know what's going on because on our site, you know, families aren't allowed on campus. And I know as a, as a, as a father of a kindergartner, I've never seen my son's classroom and that's hard. I want to know what's going in, you know, what's going on in the classroom? What does your physical space look like? You know, what what are your uh, peers like? And um, it's hard as a parent to be kind of shut out. So we're really mindful of that. And so we do a lot of videos and a lot and take a lot of pictures of, so they understand the type of learning that's taking place in, in the classroom. But also, um, you know, I think previously, sometimes we had uh, 
a, a challenge connecting with families and reaching them. Um, and we, cause we want to support all of our students and families. So, but it would be difficult to find a time where we could physically meet and, and talk about things. But now with zoom, it's like a, 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 a mother or a father could be on their lunch break and they could zoom in and we're able to have those conversations and they're, um, they're comfortable with the technology and we're comfortable with technology and it's much more efficient. Um, and we can, so we're able to reach more families uh, and support more families with uh, Zoom and the, the different technology out there. So I really do, I do think that's silver lining and everything's moved electronically. And in the long run, I think that's going to benefit everyone. I couldn't agree more. And I think the silver lining for me is also that it has highlighted a lot of ways that we maybe needed to get more creative you know, to meet the needs both, you know, academically, but also the mental, emotional and social needs of our kids. And I think it has really kind of forced us to take another look and maybe a more focused look on how to support people well, both the grownups in the building and the kids and their families. And I think we maybe wouldn't have um, without being kind of forced to say, no, we, we really have to prioritize some of these things now. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think, um, you know, a lot of adults, you kind of, you do things the way that you've done them in the past, if they're, yep. if you think they're effective, right? Yeah. But with COVID, I mean, it's really forced us to, you know, look outside the box and just really be creative um, and using technology. So I know when I go in classrooms now, like the, the social emotional learning lessons that I'm giving are a lot more dynamic because we are using, um, you know, different uh, websites and, and different videos and things. Whereas before, you know, I was kind of old school, I would have puppets and I would go into the, you know, the kindergarten, first grade lesson, and we would, you know, role play different social situations. And there's still a time for place. And I, I use that and our students love it, but also mixing in technology that I just wouldn't have really thought about doing because I had a certain way of doing it. And I think that goes for really everything um, is that it kind of forced us to look outside the box and like, okay, there's more, you know, there, we can, we can do things um, more efficiently. We can do, we can teach more effectively. Um, We can, we can grow as educators. I couldn't agree more. It's so good. Eric, I can't thank you enough for being here, taking time out of your day. You woke up extra early to to be here this morning to, to join me. And I know that the listeners here can just take so many things from this. And I just really thank you for being here. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. I'd love to come back. I'm sure we could, we could chat all day. So I appreciate this opportunity. We have so many things that we could chat about. And as we continue, um, yeah, fighting a good fight here and trying to get folks to, to take care of themselves, to be able to take care of kids better. Um, yeah, we, I'd love to hear feedback that anyone has. I know Eric's open to questions. We've, we've had lots of experience doing questions together in that training we had to do, but um, yeah, if anyone has any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. And if not, then thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, stay safe and stay well.